Good morning. It is my privilege this morning to bring the Word of God to you, and I'm thankful, first of all, to the elders, the session, the pastors of this church for allowing this opportunity, for it is my privilege and my joy to bring God's Word. I also want to thank, this is my opportunity to thank you as a congregation uh, for welcoming us in this church for the last year that we've been here. Um, many of you know our stories, uh, some more than others, but I want to tell you, I want to testify to the fact that this church has brought about much healing in my family, uh, all, from my kids, all, all, each and every one of them, and even, I would say, for our children that live in Alabama. Uh, we are distinctly thankful uh, for, our, for seniors all the way to children that have absolutely made a difference and impact in our families. So I am thankful uh, to the Lord for Trinity Church. I would like to ask that you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And as you are turning there, we'll remind you what, we, what is obvious, and that is last week we celebrated Easter. We meditated and thought about the great truths of His sacrifice and His work for us. We thought about His death and His resurrection and what that means for us it indeed means our death life, our life today, and our life in the resurrection to come. Through His victory, our victory indeed is secure. Our happiness in this world and in the next is assured. Our hope indeed is fulfilled. But why do I forget these truths? Why do I so often lay them aside? Why do I not feel His work, His power at work within me at times? Why do I sometimes forget who I am? Why do I sometimes feel that God has forgotten about me? Well, brothers and sisters, that is where we turn to God's Word again today, where we are reminded that we are adopted into the family of God. Let us then look to God's Word, beginning with verse 2 of Ephesians 1. The first one ought to sound very familiar. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His glory, which He has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, 
the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, You did tell us that man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we all sit before the counsel of Your Word this morning, Lord God. We ask that You would give us ears to hear and eyes to see all that You want us to see and hear. And Lord, give us receptive hearts. Soften them in this time and work in us that which is pleasing in Your sight. Lord, I pray that my words will pass away, for they most assuredly will. And may Your words stand today, for indeed they will, today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Bless us, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my distinct memories of my childhood was when I was about seven or eight years old. I don't remember what happened exactly, but I know that my mom got mad at me, or I was mad at her, I'm not sure, it was during the summer break, and I got really angry, and I thought, that's it, I've had it, I'm running away from the, these people. My mom and dad are here with us today, so they can correct the accounts uh, that I give to you today. But what I distinctly remember was an old refrigerator box sitting in the garage. I took that refrigerator box, and I thought, that makes a great home. So I set it up behind the garage and took to taking knives and markers and cutting doors and making signs. And, and I thought, wow, this is the greatest thing for about 5, 10, 20 minutes. And then it started to rain a little bit. And I decided, this isn't working out so good. And I decided to go back inside, which made matters worse. Is I don't think my mom ever knew that I ran away. Indeed, it was pointless to run away then. Why is it spiritually true of us often that we run away from the Lord? Indeed, it is pointless. Sometimes, if we're honest, we are angry with God. and We don't understand what He allows to happen in our lives and in this world, and we run from Him. Sometimes we think that we are forgotten by Him. Sometimes we think that God loves other people more than He loves us. Sometimes we feel like our sin is truly worse than other people's sin. All of this thinking, I would submit to you, is not the thinking of a true son or daughter. It is thinking like an orphan. We are not orphans. We are adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God. Verse 3 tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, past tense, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Oh, and that's why we need to hear God's Word today. The great theologian J.I. Packer writes in his book, Knowing God, which I would commend to you as a wonderful resource, page 214 if you're wondering, he asked this, he, excuse me, he says this, where I asked 
to focus the entire New Testament message in three words. My proposal would be adoption through propitiation. I do not expect ever to meet a richer or more pregnant summary of the gospel than that. The propitiation means the atoning sacrifice of Jesus for his people, that through that he would bring about adoption as sons and daughters. Brothers and sisters, we are not forgotten. Jesus was sent so that the Father would bring about in us adoption, that he would redeem us, and that he would connect us to his eternal purpose. His purpose in sending his son was to adopt us into his family. This was by his grace. This was by his sovereign will. The end of verse 3. He who has blessed us with every blessing, not just here, in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, in verse 4, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. We are so blessed in Christ Jesus that we have every blessing spiritually in the heavenly places. That's profound. He has gifted us and empowered us to live the Christian life. But in the heavenly places, He has in store for us wonderful, amazing blessings. We may not fully understand that. We may not feel that way today. But because we are His, we belong where He belongs. And He belongs in heaven as we who are sons and daughters of the Most High belong in heaven. And thus this world is not our home. We are but traveling through. He chose us called us to be holy and blameless. Even before the earth was formed, this was His plan and purpose for us. What a wonderful thing to consider. What a wonderful thing to think about when Jesus did go to the cross that day that He knew all the people that He would be giving His life for. All of their names and faces. All of us. What a wonderful blessing to think about that on the cross of Calvary that Jesus was mindful of you. In Revelation chapter 13, specifically in verse 8, we studied that in Sunday school, many of us who went through that together. It tells us that those who are in Christ, your names are written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. It tells us that the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Now that is mind-blowing. It is profound beyond what we could even say with words today to think about all the implications of that. Yet it is profoundly true that He bought us with His own blood. In case you missed it here, what is very clear is that word predestination. 
as a pastor, I often receive the question, do you preach predestination? I say, well, the, the Bible uses that word many times, and we preach the Bible. And when that word comes up, we preach it. I have a friend who the first Sunday of being a new pastor at a church, someone came up to him and said, Pastor, now when the Bible uses the word predestination, how do you refute it? He said this very succinctly, I don't. It may be a word that we're uncomfortable with. It may be a word that we're a little uncertain about. But yet that word is used multiple times in Scripture, indeed five times in Scripture, and the doctrine is throughout. It says in verse 5, In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. He has not just elected us, He has adopted us. He has made us sons of the living God. Some say, Presbyterians take this too far. I would say we don't take it far enough. In love. His love that He has given to us first. It's made all the difference. I have two adoptive children. I went to Ukraine to adopt them. There were 150 some odd orphans in their orphanage. Some of them that caught my attention. Some of them that I was moved to get to know a little bit. But I could not bring them all home. I know what adoption is. It was that my purpose to go and to adopt two, a brother and sister, out of that orphanage and to bring them into my family. Indeed, that is what adoption is. And we have not only been predestined, but adopted into his family. Some of us, we think, ah, oh, we need to go out and we need to live our lives in such a way that we earn his love. No, he has already given it to us in full. What about that, that sin that you did ten years ago? What about that thought you had a few minutes ago and you were in church? God's love works in us in such a way that that does lead to lives where good works do flow from the fact that He loved us first when we were aliens and strangers, when we were enemies of God, now brought near into His family. And now we are not just on equal plane with the angels, we are above the angels who God has made them to serve Him and to serve us. We are in the family, the royal family of God. Thus we are blessed. Thus we are loved fully. Thus we are in His family today and forever. Why did He do this? Why would this be true? Verse 6 answers that. To the praise of His glorious grace, which He has blessed us in the Beloved. His glory, His own glory, is His purpose. To glorify Himself in us. To glorify Himself through us. To make 
us his sons and daughters. And it uses that word beloved. Beloved is his beloved son. It is talking about Jesus. He has blessed us in Jesus. And now he loves us for his own glory. It's not for your glory. It's for his own glory. And thus it really isn't all about us like we think it is. And so we ought to be focused on Christ in our worship, focused on Christ in our relationships, focused on Christ in our churches. No matter what, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, you belong to Him. Jesus is our big brother. Jesus, it says, we are co-heirs with Christ. And if co-heirs with Christ, that means that we are truly sons and daughters. We once were not, but now we are. And His purpose, indeed, was to adopt us into His family. Thus, let us live our lives in such a manner that we are not lost like we once were. We're His. His purpose was not only to adopt us, clearly it was to redeem us. In order to be in the family of God, we must be born again. We must be made right. Redemption is the key. It's not about trying harder. It's not about earning our way. It is not about spirituality or morality. It is about redemption. I travel, and as a, uh, well, skip ahead, excuse me. Recently, I was involved in an organization with my boys, locally. And they were having devotion times, and each of the devotion times have been basically straight up moralism. Basically, it's been saying, Adam and Eve were not obedient, you ought to be. Basically, it was saying, be like Jesus, be obedient. Occasionally, Jesus' name is sprinkled in there. And the kids are told, be more obedient. And I, I, I'm waiting to the opportunity to speak about this. <laughs> what about the fact that Jesus was obedient? What about the fact he is the only one who has been fully obedient in living a righteous life, in obedient to the will of the Father, unlike any of us? I, I thought it was very ironic that here they are talking about being more obedient and it's a bunch of boys <laughs> who are not exactly being obedient at the time. That's what they need. Tell them more moralism. That's going to be their hope. Isn't that sad that so many profess that believe Jesus, this is what they think the Christian message is about? No, it is about redemption. In Him, verse 7 says, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace which He has lavished upon us. This is the truth of redemption through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that He did pay the high price. It cost us, a number of years ago, $42,000 to adopt two children. That's nothing compared to the price that was paid for you, the precious blood of the only righteous Son of God, that we also would be sons and daughters of God. So to receive Christ, for us to understand and receive this redemption, means that there must be repentance. It must be the realization of our own sin against our holy God. 
There must be an understanding of our sin that condemns us. This, is not, this does not mean that we embrace sin as okay. It means that we hate it, even if we yet still struggle with particular sins. Verse 7 refers to that ransom being paid by blood, by God, the propitiation for our sins. Literally, it means buying us out of a slave market and into the family of God. It is through Christ alone, through His grace alone, that we see that we are saved. And this is not from us. Quite literally, Jesus did purchase you out of your sin and out of the assembly line of death and into his family and indeed his presence. So here is your situation today. I want to submit to you humbly. You are one of two people. One, you are fully redeemed today. Not in part, but in full in the eyes of our Holy Father. We think we can move in and out of our salvation sometimes. Some even think that there you need to have moments of clarity where maybe you even need to be baptized again to show your love for God. But the reality is, if you are in Christ, you are fully redeemed. Verse 8 tells us, He has lavished Himself, His blood and His forgiveness upon you, and you are accepted by the blood of the Lamb. So you are either fully redeemed or you are not redeemed. And some may not even realize that they're in this camp. Indeed, it means that if your hope is in all the good things that you've done and not in the person of Jesus Christ, you are in this camp. The question is, are you made right with God who made you? Do you know the Redeemer who did give Himself for you? Is there peace in your heart? Is there knowledge that there is the peace of God within us? If not, if you've not received that wisdom and insight of knowing God, today could very well be the day of salvation, and you can have this gift. Note, I'm not saying membership saves you, nor being a Presbyterian, nor sitting in the pews faithfully. Jesus will say on that day, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Those that did not know him, do you know him? His redemption, offered as a free gift, is most precious. Brothers and sisters, His redemption is for you. Do you believe this? Some would say, well, let me rephrase it. Some would say, why do you get so excited about that? I would say we as Christians glory in the fact that He has redeemed us and bought us with His blood. We who are often entrenched by who we are, by the ruts that we get in, sometimes even 
our theological camps that we're in. But we are called to love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength as a reflection of the love that He showed to us first. Who are we? We are the people of God. Who are we? We are but worshipers of the One who gave Himself for us that we now live lives shouting for joy. For we are a Gospel people and redemption is the Gospel in which we rejoice. Redemption in full. This is the most important thing that we get right as Christians. I mentioned before, I'm a hospice chaplain and I travel all around Loudoun County, Monroe County, sometimes Roan, a little bit north of here. And all day long, I go into homes, nursing homes, people's homes, sometimes hospitals. And I meet people who know that death is coming closer and closer for them. And they're hoping that they've been good enough in themselves in order to earn the way into heaven. And when they say things like this to me, I say, you've not. You've not been good enough. But Jesus was good enough and gives to us, and if you're in Christ, has given to us completely the good news of salvation. We've been singing this morning the one word that Jesus did say, and I often ask people this, what did he say before he died? He said, to telestai, which is one word, but in English we translate it as, it is finished. What did Jesus mean? That there is no more striving, for Jesus did accomplish it all for us. On top of all this is the wondrous truth that his purpose was to connect us to his purpose. All of this already is more than what we deserve, but he has brought us near to him in relationship. Verse 8, I'll remind you, he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. This was the plan, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. His purpose. And the gospel has been revealed to you. We didn't know it before. But it has been shown to us. Perhaps even today for the very first time. His plan to redeem a people to himself will be in the end of all things far greater than what Adam and Eve ever had. For he was making us with the, at some point where we will be unable to sin against God. His plan was to redeem a people to himself. And we therefore know that this world is not our home. We now know that our home is to come. We now know that we are not our own. And we've been bought with that price. He has given and is revealing to us the mysteries of His will day by day. Verse 13 continues, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. This to the praise of His glory. 
when the Gospel was shown to us, when we were given insight, and when we believed upon Him, everything changed. For indeed, we were sealed in that moment with the Spirit of the living God. And that sealing, that circumcision of the heart, is a constant reminder of the Gospel at work within us. A constant reminder that we are saved not by our own works, but only by the Spirit of God. Some would say, well, I'm not sure how to share my faith with those that don't know Him. Some would say, I simply can't do it. And I would ask to think about, what about the fact that God dwells in you? What about the fact that He has revealed the Gospel to you and He calls us with the privilege of sharing that good news to our lost loved ones, friends, and even strangers. One of my favorite stories was recorded in World Magazine a few years ago. Back in the 30s, there was a prominent Jewish violinist who was going to to, uh, have a, a concert in Berlin. And as the concert was getting closer, a known Nazi music critic wrote in the newspaper essentially this, the man was not deserving of his reputation, but the instrument, which was a Stradivarius, that one was worthy of praise. Therefore, when you go to the concert, you can cheer loudly for the instrument. And the day of the concert came, and the man got up there and and played wonderfully his violin, and everyone stood up and cheered at the end. And the man took his violin and smashed it on the ground and went into the other room and pulled out the Stradivarius and played that in front of them. What a wonderful picture for us as well. That he is the virtuoso. Using instruments like you and I. And we get a small portion of this, a small picture of it for we are connected to His purpose. We don't understand it all. We don't understand everything that's happening in this world. But Jesus made it very clear for us in John 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Indeed, we have been brought near, made friends of God, made family of God, and he has now called us to be part of what he is doing throughout the world and even here in Cleveland, Tennessee, to be part of God's mission in the world, to be part of His redemptive plan, to do what He calls me to do, what He calls us to do, to go where He sends us to go. We are to be about the Master's business. And we ask as Christians, Lord, what do you want me to do? Not me, what do I want to do? All this while looking forward to the glory with a growing understanding of what is in store for us. 
verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. The Holy Spirit of God working in us, dwelling in us, drawing us ever close to Him, preparing us for the day that we acquire possession of the inheritance that no eye has seen nor ear has heard, could, or, nor could we even imagine what God has in store for us. We may not understand sometimes, like I mentioned, we don't have a, a special connection in the sense that we know absolutely all the ways that God works in the world. We simply do not. But what we do know now is the heart of God and His love for us and the redemption that He offers through His Son. I have one patient that I went out to visit a couple of months ago. And she's a Christian. Her husband was there. And she was just nervous knowing that the day very soon was coming for her that she was going to meet the Lord face to face. And she just was wondering it. She didn't ask the question so much, uh, have I done enough? It was more like, is it really true? Does he really love me? Is this what's really in store for me? And I shared this exact passage with her. A small part of what God did do. And I to this day, I'm so amazed in the way that God did prepare. I did see over those number of weeks, God preparing her for the day of her full redemption, preparing her for the day of her inheritance. And when I went out to visit her the last time, just last week, she passed away last week. I read this passage again to her. And what was remarkable about it is most patients, when they get to this point, are not even aware. The nurse could not measure her heartbeat. There was no blood pressure to be found. She was very close to passing, but she was aware, and she knew I was there, and she even spoke a few words here and there. And I know that I saw God, by His rich mercy, work in her heart and life to prepare her what is in store for all of us who are in Christ the full redemption and the inheritance that we will receive as sons and daughters of the Most High God. My brothers and sisters, I want to say to you, we are not pagans but wandering around out there. We are His sons and daughters, and you are in the family of God. I love my family. Sometimes we drive each other nuts. And isn't that true in the church family as well? But we are in the family of God, and this is a profound and wonderful truth. I know my family supported me in times where there wasn't support other places. But God has given to us His own family. You are in His family if you are in Christ. You have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You have been connected to Him and called to His eternal purposes. So then, let us, with great power in the Gospel, go forth today to love the unlovable. For indeed, that is what He did. To forgive as in Christ Jesus did forgive us. To seek reconciliation. To flee from legalism. To flee from licentiousness. To flee from love of the temporary. To flee complaining and to be content in all that God has given to us. To fight for our marriage and our families. To fight for holiness in our lives. 
And indeed, to fight for the hope that you have in the upward call in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we do ask that, first of all, if there are any that are here that do not know you, that today would be indeed the day of salvation and the day of repentance. Father, thank you for these gospel truths that through your Son, you did call us who were once not a people into your family, that we would be sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we would be redeemed by the blood of your own Son, by the one true Son, that we also would be true sons and daughters. And Lord, we are greatly humbled have been reminded that we are connected to the one who has called us to his purposes and indeed his eternal purpose in this world and in the world to come. So please, as we go forth, empower us, embolden us, strengthen us to go forth in this wondrous upward call in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.